Welcome to the Ditch the Suits podcast, where we get real about the stuff no one in the financial world wants you to know about. Learn how you can better manage your family's wealth by protecting it from financial exploitation and so-called financial advisors. Here's to your financial awakening. Welcome your host, Steve Campbell and Travis Moss. Well, welcome back to episode five of Ditch the Suits podcast. I'm Steve Campbell here with Travis Moss. In our last episode, we talked about how we need to really understand our money and personal finances like a business. And within that, in this episode, we want to talk about who are the key players involved in our money business. So stay tuned. So we're talking about understanding that our money is like a business. In our last episode, we talked about, well, then if we're going to view our money like a business, what makes a business extremely successful? We talked about definable goals, but it also includes the people. Successful businesses are full of successful people, both the people that work for the company and then the people that they take care of. So if we're going to understand that in our personal finances, we need to also understand that there are people involved in our personal story that are important part of the discussion with us. So why is this discussion important for us to understand? Because the businesses that are successful when you look at good businesses, and it doesn't matter how big they are, they can be really small, they can be really large, it can be corporate, they can be partnerships. They have the right people in the right jobs. Right. It's all about human capital mm-hmm. um, or customer capital or a combination of the two. There, there's those components in everything that they do. So what I mean by that is people have different skills and talents that they bring to the table. Mm-hmm. And I very rarely, in, in my experience, managing, training, hiring, working with people, have ever seen people that are really good at contradictory types of talents. Like for instance, if you're a high energy, high relationship oriented type of person, probably grinding through spreadsheets is not your thing. Right. It's very rare that you find somebody who loves grinding through spreadsheets and loves going out there and you know, being the life of the party. It's just a different personality. It's a different skill set. It's a, they're different innate talents that people have. So successful businesses realize that and they build teams of people that are then focused on the things that they do really well. Mm-hmm. And their job is to deliver what they do really well to the team. And as a, as a result, the team itself is successful and it raises everybody's boat, right? The, the, the tide comes in and raises everybody up at the same time. Conceptually, if you think about that, let's pretend that by myself, whether it's based on my ego, I think I know everything, or based on my greed, I don't want to share with anybody, because there's really only two reasons why you do this. Um, Let's pretend that I don't bring in anybody else to help me. And Mm -hmm. I'm good, though. I'm really good. So I'm still going to grow my company. So I'm going to grow my business from being worth $2 million to being worth $4 million. That's cool. Mm -hmm. I did that. That's me, right? I'm that good. Well, what if bringing in somebody and giving them a cut of it, maybe I give them 10%. And because I brought in that person though, we now go from 2 million to 8 million. So the first one went from, I think I said 2 million to 4 million, but now I'm going to go from 2 million to 8 million, the same amount of time, because I included this other person who brought a, a different skill set or different talents to the table. Yep. I still 90%. So if I take 90% of 8 million, that's really good. That's seven hundred or seven point two million. Right. That's still more than my four million. So even though I had to give up eight hundred thousand, I still have three point two million more. And it's really because I brought in the expertise that I needed to get me to that next level. 
Mm-hmm. So businesses that are good, you see that throughout their organizations. You see the right people at the right places. You see people who have jobs that match what they're good at. Yep. And you see businesses who have people doing the jobs that they're good at and other people stay out of their way. People mm-hmm. don't cross over and go, I'm your boss, therefore I should do your job. Right? They, they allow people to do their jobs because they brought them there because they're the best at it. Um, so when you look at successful businesses, you see that across their organizations. It's just how they're designed. So the, again, the first business might have been successful based on maybe your definite, that, that's your definition of success. But if you're rating it based on growth and creating um, wealth and opportunities and those types of things, the latter example was definitely better. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard for you to be individually successful at your money business if you don't have the right people in the right place. If you are thinking that you're the person who's got all the skills, you know everything about it, or maybe you've hired somebody and they're supposed to have all the skills and everything about it, but there's some blind spots. You know, when you're driving your car, you have that blind spot where you can't see it and the mirror can't see it and there's a car right next to you and you don't know it. That's why you 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 have to check before you change lanes. It happens to all of us. We have blind spots. So if you don't put the right people in the right place to watch your blind spots, eventually you're going to get in an accident. Um, So whether it's your business, whether it's what we affectionately call your, your money business, right? Your, your pile of money or even your small business that's worth a bunch. And a lot of people are dependent on it, your money business. Um, It's about the people that are involved and getting the right people in the right place. Yep. I think to your point too, you know, when you're a business, you are trying to find the right people that are going to help you accomplish your goal. It is very hard for you as an individual on your team to accomplish your goals because it takes other people, but it also might take outside entities that are helping you achieve or uh, do a part of your business that you don't understand, whether it's you're hiring a book bookkeeping company or a payroll company, or maybe you're just not, you're really good at doing your job, but you need somebody to help you tell your story. So you can go out and find an advertising firm or a marketing firm that can come alongside you. Well, they're all over the place, right? So you need to be able to find somebody that also matches what you're trying to do, can hit your price point and help you come up with achievable results to know if you're on track or not. You have choice. And I love this idea of viewing your money as a business. It's your money business. Because I don't know that most people view their own personal finances as a money business. You have choice. If you have hired people along the way in whatever capacity to help run your money business and they're not delivering, think about that. If we as a business hired some consulting firm or an advertising company to help us tell our stories and we paid them an absorbent amount of money to help us tell our story with the idea that there would be an ROI that we could justify paying and outsourcing this and they didn't do their job year after year, we'd probably find a new company. Yet when it comes to our own personal money business, we can settle year after year. And if I think back to our last podcast episode that we talked about, your money is a business. You need to have definable goals, just like a business has definable goals and it makes them successful. When you and your own personal finances don't even know what you're working towards, then the people that you've employed to help you run your money business, they can tell you anything they want. And as long as they've honestly made money, you don't know. So it's like, that's nice. That's great. I'm on track. But what if you also knew exactly what it was you were trying to do with your money 
that the people that you've entrusted to help you along the way with your money business, you have a way of validating whether it's worth it or not. And that's what we talked about in all of these episodes, which is if you're going to entrust and hire somebody, you're a consumer. So if you're looking at year after year, man, we, they, they really keep telling me they, they thrive when the market's down or they thrive when the market's up or they can save me money on my taxes over my lifetime or they can do all these things. And you're not doing any of those things year after year, then you as a consumer have the ability to go find somebody that is going to help you do those things. And that is your right. So when we look at a lot of these things, it's so important to understand who are the people that you've allowed into your money business and what roles do they play? And I think we want to take some some time to understand from the business aspect, what that looks like in our own personal lives. So we got this money business. In business, there are certain key players that are involved in your business to make it successful. We want to give you what those players are. And then how does that actually translate into our money business? What does that look like? So Travis, why don't you go over some of the big key players in any successful business? So it's really, there's three categories. You've got leadership or leaders. So there is a difference. And unfortunately, people will probably get bothered by this because people in leadership positions or management positions might sometimes think that that um, they're good at something that that that's not really what they're doing. There's a confusion between leadership and management. Mm-hmm. Because you're a manager doesn't make you a leader. And because you're a leader doesn't make you a good manager. Being in a leadership position or being in a management position doesn't mean that uh, that's the right person for that role. So just because you're in it doesn't make you it. So when I talk about leadership managers and the third group is role players, what I'm really talking about is, you know, putting it, first of all, starting with the right person in the right roles. But I guess in order to get the right people in the right roles, you have to understand what the roles are supposed to be achieving. Yep. And I, I think most of the time we're confused with that. So if we start with leaders or leadership, what we're really talking about at the business level is the strategic kind of visionary thinker. Yep. The person who always seems like they can see the future. This is where we're going to be down the road, down the road, down the road, down the road. And this is what we need to do in a broader picture sense to get there. And then they turn that over. So that's like, designing the map, the, the, the geographical boundaries of the map mm-hmm. and, and drawing a line and saying, we want to go from here over on the very right edge of it to here over on the very le- left edge of it. And here's the basic barriers and structures that we've got to get around. And then they hand it off to the manager and they say, okay, manager, you're going to need to fill this in now. And the manager goes in and fills in all the, the uh, detours and the, the turns and accounting for the times you need to stop and take a break and that kind of stuff. Good managers take a strategic vision and they break it down into pieces that allow the vision to become successful. So the leader draws a line in the sand and says, next year, we want to get here. Next year, we want to increase sales by 10%. And the manager says, okay, in order to get to do that, we're going to have to do we're going to work backwards. We're going to have to do all these things right down to if each department has to do this, each person within the department has to do this. Right. So everybody now understands what they need to do to be personally successful. And if everybody is personally successful, the departments are successful. And if all the departments are successful, the organization's successful. You can then, you can figure out what to fix that. Yep. 
you can figure out if there's a chink in it someplace, you're going to be able to figure out, is it at the individual level? Is it at the department level? You're going to be able to figure out which assumptions are wrong. Yep. If it's just increased performance by 10%, you don't have a clue then when it doesn't work out what actually went wrong. You're making assumptions. Yep. So you clearly draw a line in the sand with a time and then put a clear goal of exactly where you want to get. And then the manager builds it. They build yep. it from, from the beginning to the back end. And they then work with their role players. And the role players are where the big, the real, these are the doers. This is where all the skills and talents normally really live on the team, the specialized skills and talents, the people who can do things that you have to pay for. Yep. Uh, so the manager works with the role players to position the role players on their teams in the best possible places to get the most out of their role players. Mm hmm um, so there's, there's all three parts that the leader does not win without good managers and without good role players, right? Managers do not win without leaders setting clear goals. Um, that also makes sense. I mean, you can't just like high in the sky something, but you have to, right. it has to be a smart goal. Right. So, so, and they can't get there without strong role players and strong yeah. role players. If they don't have a clear idea of where they're supposed to go with things, won't get anything done. Not, not as far as they won't meet the goals because they don't know how to do it. If I just go to somebody and say, hey, rope, you know, the person who sits at the front door and greets people, you need to increase business by 10%. They're going to look at me and go, what is that? That's not my job. I don't know how to do that. Yep. So that's the, the relationship that you've got. So think about your personal finances. Leadership is where are you going? What does financial freedom at age 55 actually look like to you? That's the vision. The manager is the person who's going to get you there. Mm -hmm. And the role players are who is going to help. So let's say that you have a, a wealth manager that's helping you get there. You might have role players in tax and legal and just tracking your stuff, appraisers, um, investment managers. Um, you might be a role player. You have a role there. You got to put money in the account. You got to keep your, you know. Even 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 if you're in a leadership role, helping to to decide where you're going, um, you may you may also have a role within it. But normally, these are different positions. Normally, somebody in a leadership role is handing it off to the managers, and the manager handing it off to the role players, and 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 so on. It's going up and downstream that way. Um, but people struggle in different areas. Let's say that de facto, I'm the leader because I own the business or because it's my money, right? Yeah. So I own the money business that we've been talking about. So de facto, I'm in the leadership role. So what does that mean then if, if I don't know how to set a clear vision? Mm -hmm. With businesses, a lot of times when you're developing uh, strong teams, you talk about managing up. So a good manager, so let's say that you have a wealth manager, a wealth advisor, that's your manager. You're putting them in the role to, to, to get your vision of success to actually happen. They're going to go out and pick all your role players, get everybody working on your behalf, make you successful. They're going to make your, in the example before, they're going to take you from 2 million to 8 million. Mm -hmm. So you put that person in there, you're paying them, you expect them to get you there. The problem is you don't know where you want to go. A good manager is going to manage up and they're going to say to the leader, where are we going? And leaders are going to say, I don't know, I want to retire. And they're going to say, what's that mean? And they're going, to keep, they're going to keep working with the leader to help the leader establish that if that's not the leader's strength. Or if the leader comes up with some really weird, wacky thing, a good manager is going to say, 
that's outside of the capability of your business here or outside of the capability of your money business. These are This is what would have to happen in order for you to get there. I don't know if you can get there. We would need extra resources or what have you. But they manage up. They're not afraid to say up to them, no, nah, I don't think we can do that. Or, yep, we can do that. Or, you know what? You need to give me more information. Same thing happened at the role pl- man- players to the managers. There's this thing in, in corporate America that I've noticed where, and maybe all management in general, maybe it's not just corporate America, but where subordinates are afraid to talk up to their managers. They're afraid to say to their managers, that doesn't make any sense. I'm literally doing the same thing three times and look at all this time I'm wasting. Right. Or or I'm doing these activities and nobody cares and the clients hate it. So right. what you know, but they're afraid because the boss said to do it and they don't want to get on the bad side of the boss. You can't have that environment. Mm-hmm. Leaders don't allow that kind of environment. You know, good leaders, bad leaders do. So bad if you've ever talked to somebody who hates their job and you ask them why they hate their job, they like, I hate my manager. Chances are there's a bad leader at that company. Whoever's in charge of that company is not doing a good job. Because they're allowing the leader or they're, they're allowing the management to prevent the role players from doing what they're really good at, from really doing their job. Sometimes it's micromanaging. Sometimes it's a bad attitude. Sometimes they're aggressive people. Sometimes there's other issues. But good leadership would say, you know what? We're going to get a new manager. If this person's preventing the role players from doing their job well, we're going to get a new manager. But that's what good leadership is. It's tough. But that's that's their goal. Their goal is to set clear goals to make sure from the top down, everybody is working towards those goals. The manager's job is to put the pieces together and manage the pieces that are needed to get to the leader's vision. So there's a place for everybody. You got to kind of realize who you are. And there has to be openness to manage up. You have to be open to somebody saying, I, I don't think that you know you have enough information. Can I give you more information so that maybe we could discuss other options. There has to be room for that. Um, and so often there's not. The difference between you know businesses a lot of times comes down to stubbornness. Yep. Are you too stubborn to listen? Whether you're a manager or a leader or even a role player. Role players sometimes are, I'm the expert, you're the manager, get out of my way, let me do my job. Well, sometimes you're not doing your job based on the agenda of the company. So the question there is, was it clear? Did we clearly state the goals or maybe they were unclear and I need to help the role player understand how it's clear, or maybe the role player is just a bad team player. We need to move on from them. But whether you're a business or whether you're talking about your money, all these are expenses and all these are opportunities. And you can have success, meaning you can be that first example where you go from 2 million to 4 million on your own. Mm -hmm. You can have that success just because that's market forces in general. Right. But if you're saying, I'd just like to be as good a steward as I can, yep. or I, I, I want to try to make as much as I can out of what I have, then why wouldn't you want to go from two to eight, even if it costs you 800000 Why wouldn't you go from $2 million to $8 million? You're still going to net out at 7.2. It's still $3.2 million more. It's still a really good deal. And I'm not saying that that's what it costs you. I'm just using that as an example. Um, but that's the mentality you have to have from a business standpoint. I make there's a quote out there. What if we invest in our people and they leave? So what if we hire good people and we we train them and put all this money into developing them, and then one day the person gets up and says, I, "I'm going to move." And then the, the counter quote is that, "What if we don't invest in our people and they stay?" And the right. point there is is you, you you have to look at um, 
the team that you're putting together and the roles that people need to play. And you have to allow certain dynamics to happen to get the most out of that. So you might have a couple of camps, even as I listen, you know, you have some people that have worked with financial professionals, tax professionals, they've hired people before. So maybe you raise some things that, you know, they've had questions about and you've got their wheels spinning. You might have other people that have never went out and hired a team of people to help them look at their money business. And you're giving them some things to think about. I think if we think about the business component, uh, Travis, I know you and I have both worked in environments where uh, it is said, you know, ideas are warranted, feedback is, you know, wanted. We want to know when things are going wrong or when you have ideas. It's one thing when that is said and you tried to do that and you get shut down or you realize that's not going to be listened to, it's stymies growth. And I think if we look at our own personal finances, atmosphere is everything. I think when you're hiring a team of people with your own personal money, whether you have people now or whether you're thinking about going out and hiring somebody, you want a team of people that create an atmosphere for creativity, spontaneity, conversation to take place. Because as we talked about, you know, that, that's an unbelievable concept, growing your money from X to Y with just incorporating the right people and bringing them into your story to help you be successful. Maybe you've just put money away for retirement your entire life and because of the stock market and everything else on paper, it's successful. But what if it could have been X times of successful if you brought other people along the way that if could have maybe showed you things that aren't your wheelhouse and reworked things in such a way to save you money, time, taxes, all of those things that could have left you with potentially more money at the end, everyone would say, well, I wish I could do that. So I think it's then when you go out and you start thinking about these three components, right, that you mentioned, number one, leaders, number two, managers, and role players. If we think about our own personal financial lives, if we're even not in the place where we want to be and we don't even know or we do know, we now know that we need to set a definable goal, then we still have to realize that we're a consumer and the people that we're working with, are they inviting us in? Are they creating the atmosphere where they say your ideas and your feedback is welcome, but they really don't listen or they don't care? If you've ever worked with somebody, a team of professionals, and you're just showing up and basically getting data, your money was here and now it's here and good questions. That's not an atmosphere to really be brought in and say, now, wait a minute, because you don't even know what to ask. You don't even know how to say, well, what if we did this? Or what if we did this? One, because you may not feel like you're able to do that because you don't know what you're talking about. This isn't your profession. You know, maybe you're not willing to speak up. You have people out there that are maybe managing their money business by themselves and they can get to a certain far place. There are people that have never managed their money and they're only going to get to a certain place. There are blind spots along the way. I think what we have been trying to say in all of these episodes is you have to enjoy the journey along the way. Because you can be extremely successful on paper, saving, 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 and never doing the fun things along the way that maybe your spouse wants to do. And because you're never doing that, it's creating controversy in your marriage or conflict in your relationship. Because on paper, you're doing all the things you should be doing. You're never taking vacations. You're never splurging. You're making good money, but you're never doing it because it's not a part of the plan. But if you're being honest, what's the plan? Because right. if there are two of you, then one is not being included in the conversation. And what ends up happening is they don't feel like they're a part of the story. So the blind spot, even if you manage your own money, maybe, maybe managing your money as a business is bringing consultants in to show you how to enjoy the process and how to enjoy the fruit of what you're building. 
And if you've never worked with somebody before under the understanding these three roles, it's bringing people in that can maximize and accelerate what your money has the capacity to do by getting you to dream bigger, have you know deeper conversations that goes well beyond money. The money, the money is the easier part once you figure everything else out. But I, for people listening, maybe they've never had this experience before working with a team of people that are coming alongside you to manage your money like a business. And to totally shift that paradigm for people who've just had assets and investments, but never really thought of their money as a business, that might be a totally new concept to them. And now as you start to unpack that analogy, think about who are the people that you have allowed into your story to take you from where you are to where you want to be, right? And then how do you know if they're doing what it is they're supposed to be doing just like a business would. And I know in another one of these segments, we want to talk about some things that you can look at along the way to know who to include in your business. So partner, do you want to transition right into that? Do you have some thoughts? Well, I, I think I would say that like my role here, a lot of times, uh, and, and people who have conversations with me about business and, and how we've grown, I'll talk about my my role has been collecting people. Mm-hmm. I always call it collecting people because we'll we'll start a conversation with somebody or identify somebody that we think would be good here for certain roles, sometimes years before they actually come here. Right. Um, and it's because we've we've figured out that they have something to add a value that could increase that our value overall exponentially just mm-hmm. by adding them yep. by what they're bringing to the table. So. You start with collecting people. People are resources. So any business, when you ask them and their successful businesses what their most valuable resource is, they they should tell you it's human capital or their people. Mm-hmm. Right? Human capital is the kind of like official term for that. It's their it's their human capital or their people. And if we make the analogy that businesses equal money, mm-hmm. so whether your business is worth ten million dollars or you have ten million dollars in your investment accounts, we're talking about the same thing. If you're going to hire a team to manage your $10 million business, why wouldn't you have a team to manage your $10 million financial business, like money machine, your your money business, right? Why wouldn't you do that? That doesn't make any sense that you would do it for one and not for the other. You could say, well, it's simpler. Is it really simpler? Because I've got tens of thousands of of hours into financial planning. I'm still learning every single day. Yep. So you're telling me that you can read some stuff on, on Yahoo and you know more than I do about pick a topic as far as it comes to financial planning and investment. So the answer is no, it's not that simple. We want to make it simple because we don't understand it. So we just want to kind of, you know, brush it away. So if business is equal money and the most valuable thing to a business is human capital, then human capital is the most valuable thing to creating money. Mm-hmm. So when there's a lot on the line and we're talking about your financial future or the financial future of your children, don't you want to have the right talents and skills in the right positions? Why would you risk that? Right. Right. Why would you do that over the example we had earlier, 4 million to 8 million? Why would you do that for, for, for the Delta on that when you're already $3.2 million ahead? Mm -hmm. Why would you bite off your nose and bite your face? And I've had people say, well, I'm just not greedy. I don't need the $8 million. Well, you could have it. So even if you don't need it, give it to charity. I I always love this argument. I'm not greedy. I don't need it. No, what you're saying is I don't want to pay the expense of getting there. Right. I don't want to write the check. 
So I'd rather not have the money than write the check and have the money. And I'm going to use the fact that I'm not greedy to get there. It's not about being greedy. I've never met anybody who said, I want to be a bad steward of what I have. Yep. So you want to be a good steward of what you have. What that means is, is if you're going to take X amount of risk in your life, you should get X amount of return. Mm-hmm. The same thing applies to your money. And, and it's, you know, we talk about investment management. We're implying this on investment management. But investment management to us comes after financial planning. Mm-hmm. It comes after understanding what financial freedom means to you because that brings in taxes, it brings in spending, it brings in gifting, it brings in philanthropy, it brings in multiple generations, it brings in everything else. The investments just support that. It's a utility to it. But that is where we most often see the mismanagement, if you will, um, it's the easiest place to manifest it because it's something that so many people, they understand. I can look at my 401k account and understand that. But if you throw out, well, I'm going to do financial planning for you. You might look at me and scratch your head and be like, I don't need a budget. I have investments, but I don't need a budget. Well, that's not what finance, financial planning is not about budgeting. Right. That is literally not what it's about. That's a, that's a small piece of something that we do sometimes depending on the situation. When we're talking about you know people who have become financially free, it's, it's, we don't sit there and count how many nickels they spent at Starbucks. It's not, you know, there's a place for that, but it, for most people that I work with, that's not part of the conversation. Well, if you think about even as a business, right? Every year as a business, you look at certain key metrics. Uh, did we hit our goal? Were we on track? What did we spend to get there? What was our ROI? Could we have spent less and produced more? Was there something that we could have done differently? It's the same thing with your money business. You know, if you're talking about things like, um, you know, managing your investments, which is a big part of it, are there ways to either potentially reduce cost, uh, improve the overall performance, buy better investments? These are conversations that you should be having with this team of people to understand. There's nothing wrong. A lot of people, I think the way that they, because they don't understand finances, they'll just look at that yearly return statement and say, geez, I made a certain percentage on my money. Pretty good. Pretty good compared to what? And what could you have done? Right? We're not saying investing, there's always a risk involved, but could you right. have done other things in this past year over the last few years to put you in a better position or in your taxes or you know, protecting your, your people in your family? If you are understanding your money as a business, all the components, the cash flow, the survivorship, the investment planning, the estate planning, the tax planning, these are all components that all work together just like a business would. And we talked about yep. in episode four. You have different compartments within your business, whether you're a solo entrepreneur, you work for a company with less than 10 people, you have over 100 people, 1,000 people, you have different departments. Every one of those departments has a different goal, a different objective that feeds the greater purpose to hitting those goals. You need to be able to understand if one of those areas isn't doing what they're supposed to be doing, how do we either adjust so that we don't get to the end of this thing and go, gosh, man, we, we really could have months ago fixed this whole thing. If we would have communicated better, understood what we were working toward, reworked our metrics, rethought, tried something new along the way. But when it comes to people's personal money, we don't have those same kind of conversations and reflections. And I don't know if it's just because people don't understand, so they don't even know what to ask. And if we talk about our industry as a sales machine too, right? If I go back to our first conversation, professionals in financial industry, tax industries, whatever it is. It's not that they're bad at what they do, but they can always spin things as a positive. 
And if you don't know how to ask questions, if you don't know what is good, what could have been better, how could have we done things differently? A lot of people do the same thing. They own the same investments. They have the same fees. Even as their money grows, they continue to pay the same. In, in Literally, they pay more and more money yeah. as they bring more money over and never ask questions about, could I have reduced my costs anywhere along the way? That is your right as a consumer. If you look at your money as a business, then you have to understand how to look at your money as a business unemotionally. Yes, there is the emotional conversation, the values. What is it all for? If you if you told somebody that I'm doing this for my kids, well, then darn it, I would hope that if along the way it's not doing what it's supposed to do, if the end goal is to take care of your kids, if you said, I want to have X amount of money for every one of my children by a certain age, and we're not on track, are there things that have happened that are beyond our control? Let's first address that. Sure. But if there was just neglect, if from a professional standpoint, things were being done, there was a way we could have reduced our overall cost to put more money in our future kids' pockets. Yep. If we could have invested differently or built the financial plan in such a different way to save more money on our taxes. If we're not doing those things, then you have to be able to objectively look at it and say, we're not on track because of what we're working towards. It's my kids or it's my family or it's my business. You have that right, but I don't know that most people really look at their money that way. They just kind of let it happen. And as yeah. long as there's not a major stock market crash, as long as their money doesn't get cut in half, they just, it's growing. But what if it could exponentially grow by, by controlling what you can control in, you know what I mean? Getting a better yeah. handle on yep. what's happening. And I know, Travis, you've had a lot of experience with this in conversation. So how do you also help people understand this a little bit more and maybe where to go from here? So I, you said a lot of things there. The financial industry itself doesn't do people a very good service here. So we just talked about, we were drawing the parallel between your money business, your personal finances, and a real business. Mm -hmm. And in a real business, anybody who's had a job knows that they're accountable for things. They have to give reports to their boss about yeah. projects they're working on, sales quotas, whatever it is. Here's the numbers, boss. This is how I've done how many people only do a once a year report? Right. No, you do lots of reports throughout the year, whether it's a daily, weekly. I mean, people put in their pay, their, their hours, they log their hours every day. Mm -hmm. So businesses require you to track progress on the things that they think that they need to become to be successful, to hit their goals. Yet most of the time you take your money and you drop it off with a financial professional and they don't look at it again until you call them up or come in for an, another appointment. And most often it's six, it's in a six month or a 12 month increment. And they literally don't look at it again until you come back in. And there's no, like when you're thinking about financial success, investments is one tiny part of the component of it. Right. It's one tiny component of it. So when you do go in, you talk about the investments. You don't talk about the other hundred things that you're going to need to do to be financially successful and figure out the things that you can do when you do get the financial freedom or how to get the financial freedom. You're just simply talking about whether or not you made 5% or 10% or whatever you did. That's the other thing that businesses do better, I think, than we do when we're managing our own money um, or when we're looking at our money. You did good compared to what? I get people all the time. I had somebody the other day say, I did really good. I made 6% last year. I'm like, 6% compared to what? 
because the market did 16 something percent. And tell me about this. Well, I had 80% of my money in stocks. So you had 80% of the stocks, the stock market, essentially the risk of the stock market, but you made what? 40% of the market? Like not even. Right. I don't understand how the math works. How were you successful compared to who were you successful or compared to what? Were you only trying to make 6%? Because if that's the case, you were successful. And some people are only trying to make 6%. So they would have been successful. Mm-hmm. But it's, 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 you have to have a benchmark. Businesses do it. Business says, we want to grow by 5%. They probably know that the average firm that they're competing with grew by 3% last year. So if they grow by 5%, they'll be outgrowing their competition, which means they'll get more market share. Mm-hmm. They don't just say, well, you know, at the end of the year, if I got back to our leading and lagging indicators, if I got 6% last year, I did good. Right. 6% compared to what? And what could you have done along the way? Yep. To have said, boy, we're really tracking behind here. We need to make some adjustments or change our expectations or whatnot. And that's what you're talking about. So we talk about people, the people, the, the team that you put in place, the, from leadership to management to role players and whatever role you play in there individually, which normally if we're talking about you managing your money business, you're in a leadership role. So you're, you're, you're putting people in there to help you define your vision and deliver and to deliver your vision and to help you put the right role players in place. So the other thing is leaders don't overstep. If it's the manager's job to run it and the manager thinks you need certain role players, let the manager have the role players they need. Don't tell them not to do that because you're biting off your nose to bite your face again. But anyway, um, what you're really looking for, and this is from the top down, talents and skills. Mm -hmm. Get the people in the right positions, get the wrong ones out of the wrong position. What do I mean by talents and skills? You are born with a talent. You are good at certain things. Your disposition, you particularly, when I first met you, I was like, there's no way somebody can be that genuinely nice all the time. And I've gotten to know you for years now, and you are just, that is how you are. You're just that good of a person. Well, thanks, partner. Uh, That is your talent, though. Right. That is something that is innate to you. For other people, they have to work at it. Other people really have to work at having a smile all the time and really have to work at being interested in other people's kids all the time and stuff like that. You just naturally are like that. That's your skill. Some people are just phenomenal at pulling numbers apart and grinding through data. Yep. Some people would have to spend an enormous amount of energy to do that. Some people are great at writing because they just love to communicate and and they love art and it all kind of manifested into writing. And some people find that so difficult. So you have innate talents, things that take you almost no energy to do and you do them better than most people. Right. Every single person on your team has some talents. Yep. You don't take a square and force it into a round hole. You don't take the, the circle and force it into a square hole. If somebody's good at A and that's what's needed on your team, put them in a position on the team where they can do what they're good at. Right. So that's where the good management comes in. Yep. But, but sometimes you also have, so we have lots of leadership, I think, in our firm. Um, Ryan and I, who have we're the founding partners and have really built seed over the years. And I'd go back and I'd say, we've all built seed, but we, we were the two originals. Right. Right. And I always say it like this. I'm fast forward, kind of the visionary part of the leadership where I will go forward as fast as I can right off a cliff. Right. 
because I'm I want to grow things. I want to build things. I want to get out there and make things happen. Ryan, on the other hand, is more conservative. He's going to slow down and contemplate a lot more. Look at more of um, the what if scenarios. Yep. So if you wanted to think about it, we've I've tethered myself to somebody and said, look, I'm going to run as close as I can to that cliff, but he's got a hold of that tether and he's going to keep me from falling over it. But at the same time, I'm going to pull him further towards the cliff than he'd ever get to be. So he's going to get to see more of a view than he otherwise would have seen way back, you know, in the safe area. And together, just like we've talked before about savers and spenders pulling people to the middle, yep. together we pull ourselves to the middle. So when you're looking at team construction, you're looking, those are talents that I'm talking about. Those are innate, yep. kind of like how we operate. Yep. Then you look at skills. What are we good at that we individually take off the table of things that need to be done? Right. What are neither of us good at? Here's one through a thousand things we're not good at. What have we done? We've built a team around that. You're here. You're one of our partners. You have skills that and talents that we just do not have. Fred, aim everybody. You know, you start to look at the way that the team is comprised. It's comprised of people that complement all the way around. We don't have a bunch of people that look exactly the same. Right. Right. If you were to look at the skill pro or the talent profile. We've got a, a broad and diverse and deep team, yep. but everybody's doing different things that all go together. Yep. It's, it's part of the same job, but it's different pieces of it. Skills come in when this whole idea that you're supposed to be, you know, you're supposed to take the things you're not good at and, and learn how to be good at them is junk. Throw it out. Right. Why would you spend all your time and money trying to make somebody better at something that they don't even like doing? Let them do what they love doing. Let them do what they're good at. Teach them how to do it even better. So invest in building more skills around that. And if they have some things that they're just really, really not good at and it, and it causes a jeopardy to the business, teach them skills on how to think about bumper bowling, put up a boundary so they can't you know, fall off the cliff like me. Tether me to somebody like Ryan who's going to say, hey, Travis, let's think about this. You know, let's slow down a little bit. Um, that's a skill, Right. Is being able to create boundaries so that I can do what I'm really good at, but I don't get in, you know, get us in trouble because I'm obsessed with what I'm really good at right. to the point where I might make sacrifices to the detriment. So every person is like that. So when you're looking at skills and talents, you're looking at do the people that I put in place, can they deliver because that's how they're wired? And what skills do they have to support the other, the other parts of it? Yep. Uh, and that's what good businesses do. It's part of that human capital management. And so, you know, when we're talking about financial management or investment management, um, I think it's just self-reflection. Look at yourself. Who are you? What are you good at? What do you love doing? And if you don't want to become a bookworm and spend... 10,000 hours a year figuring out investments and financial planning and taxes and that kind of stuff. I mean, obviously not 10,000 hours a year, but you don't want to spend a career becoming an expert. Mm -hmm. Um, Put the right people in the right place, but manage it like a business and like a good business, clear expectations, clear roles, 
let people do their jobs. Understand that if you get the right people, you're going to end up, even if it costs you money, much, much further ahead uh, at the end of the day, just like a business does. So to bring this full circle for for people listening, right? Uh, You just talked about having a team. We talked about very high level things, but what does that actually mean for you in your own personal life when it comes to your finances? If you have somebody that helps manage your money, maybe they just look at your investments. Maybe you have a broker. Uh, Maybe they've told you you have financial planning, but do you actually ever go over anything other than just what the investments have done once a year? That's not financial planning. You have investments. And then you need to be able to step back and say, is this helping me achieve the things that are important to me, which is taking care of your family, buying that dream home, going on vacation, creating experiences. A lot of people, the main focus is on the investments, not on all the other components. So when you want to talk about building a team, I think what we are talking about is maybe you have somebody that helps you build up the financial plan that understands your values. What makes you you? What do you want to be able to do? They lay that roadmap. Here's what I think I heard you said. Here's all the components that we need then to look at to make sure you're on track. The investments are a piece of that. Maybe you have to have somebody helping you manage the investments, right? To understand how this money should be invested. The things that you want to avoid is if you're having somebody just manage your investments is the only solution tied to a product. Uh, Is the person managing your money actually managing your money or are they just outsourcing it to somebody else and they're managing the relationship? Do those managers ever change? Have you been managing, has somebody been managing your money for the last five, 10, 15 years and nothing has ever changed? The stock market's changed a lot. The economies have changed a lot. Worlds has changed a lot. But I think what I'm trying to drive down to with people listening is do you take ownership of what's happening with your money to the degree that you would if you really did view it like a business? If things aren't working out, how do you know when to ask questions? How do you know when to make changes? How do you know when to remove those pieces that don't fit anymore and put the pieces in place that can accelerate your money to a degree that it has? So you might have somebody helping build out the financial plan, something understand how do the investments help fuel that financial plan, something that can help you with tax management, making sure that you're not paying as much in taxes that you have to, which frees up capital, which can help you do those things like buy a home and take a vacation. Do you have somebody that's helping understand your estate planning, understanding those people that are important to you and is money going to get to them? I think the biggest things that we've seen is people's desires are in the right place. You know, I want to make sure my spouse is taken care of. I want to make sure my kids inherit money. So maybe they just went out and did something with their estate plan years ago, created a will, but their life has changed so much and they've never come back to it. Do you have somebody that is looking just at the estate part of your life and saying, okay, here's everything that you've told me. Here's all the people you told me that were important to you. Your estate plan has nothing to do with that. You'd rather somebody tell you that while you're still alive. Honestly, you would rather a professional tell you everything that you just told me that's important to you. I reviewed your estate plan. None of these people are actually going to get what you'd wanted them to get. But here's the great thing. If you want them to get what you want them to get, here's what you need to do. And here's what it's going to cost you. You would prefer that conversation than spending the entire part of your adult life thinking that things were going to go to people you thought they were going to go to. And unfortunately, life happens. You're no longer with us. And now that you're here, you can't solve the problem that your family has to fix. So when you're talking about putting a team into place like you would if your money is a business, you're talking about building people that help you build a financial plan, 
understand the purpose of the investments to save money from a fee standpoint and invest in good investments that are helping you achieve your financial plan. You have people that are helping you from a tax planning standpoint, save money on taxes, doing all the legal things you can to help put more money back in your pocket. You have people helping you with your estate plan. And if insurance is something that's going to help fill in the gap, don't have somebody that has conflicts of interest, right? It is super easy to go to professionals that'll just sell life insurance to you because that's how they get paid. Is it appropriate for you? I don't know. But these are things that you have to be aware of because it is your money, it's your life, and it's your business. And regardless of where you are today in your life at your age, are you where you want it to be? And if you're not, like we just talked about in our last episode, we can't take those things that have already passed. We have to look at those leading indicators moving forward. And if the team that is helping you is fantastic and they're doing all these things, great job. You hired the right people. But if they're not, you are a consumer. You need to be able to know what to look for to understand. Because Travis, you and I have seen people that have their money being managed by a professional that is charging them an exorbitant amount of money and fees. (laughs) You show people what they're paying in fees and they are shocked. They're shocked because they've been paying this year after year after year for a person that they like. I like the person, right? Yeah. But is that person doing their job? And I'm, this isn't knocking that person because I don't know them. I'm trying to give you as the listener things to think about. There is value in what you pay for if you're getting what you think you're getting. You'll pay full price for it. If somebody is helping you achieve your dreams, do the things you're trying to do, then price isn't as important because of the feeling that you have knowing things are in place. The opposite is true. If the fee is exorbitant and the value is not there, then you have buyer's remorse. Unfortunately, you can't go back. All you can do is from this point on, ask great questions and start taking ownership of your money like it is a business, looking at the team you have in place. If they're doing their job, keep them. If one part of that team isn't doing their job, potentially replace them because you never know. And we've seen this in our business. You put the right person in the right field and all of a sudden a part of your business takes off in a way that you never could. So maybe your financial plan is in place, your investments are in place, but your tax part of your life could be better ran. How does that piece fit into it? So I wanted to bring it full circle because we've been talking about managers, leadership, role players, how it is a business, but maybe somebody sitting here going, now, what does this mean to my personal life? If you've never gone out and hired these people, ask great questions, but but tie a purpose to it. Because I think as long as, just like as a business, if the purpose is at the forefront of our mind, why do we do what we do? It's so that we can help people improve their lives and make the most unique definition of financial success possible. Then advertising fits into that, marketing fits into that, customer service fits into that, investment planning fits into that, because it's helping achieve that means. And if it's not, then we can make a course correction. Same thing in your life. If you believe that your spouse, your kids, your parents, your business, your community are important to you, if the things that you have in place are not helping you do those things, then you can't settle. There's there's too much choice out there to settle. So you need to look at your money as a business. So as we bring this episode to a close, we wanted to highlight some of these things to your partner. Anything else before we let people uh, tune out for today? Um, Just you got to be brave. Mm Mm-hmm. Every now and then, you get some people in the wrong place that aren't helping you anymore. And if it was a business, you'd say, I can't justify paying this person because they're not doing a good job any longer. Right. So whether you're talking about your personal finances, your money business, you know, an actual real business, maybe you're in charge of people at work, you're responsible for that. Yep. 
So sometimes it doesn't matter if you're a good friend to somebody or it doesn't matter at the end of the day, your success is tied to how your team performs. Yep. So make sure the team has what it needs. If it needs good management, get good management. If you have bad management, get rid of the bad management and get good management. If you don't want to get rid of the bad management, you're probably going to have to train the bad management, <laughs> make them better. And if you still can't make them better, again, it's your money, your choice, your life. I would say you get a better manager. Um, that's business. That's how things happen. Don't, because it's your, because it's not a business, it's just a pile of money. Everybody always says, well, small business owners, they, they have more money. You know, all the different tax laws and everything they pass, they say, well, they're trying to help out small businesses. Most small businesses aren't worth tens of millions of dollars. Most small businesses are somewhere between half a million dollars and $20 million. So that's what you're talking about. And, and I know, you know a lot of people that have between half a million dollars and $20 million. So you, are, you have the same amount of wealth as those small business owners. You, know, you just look at it differently. Yep. So what you can learn from them is treat it more like a business. Yep. And small business owners do this wrong too. Small business owners need to look at their personal finances more like a business. They tend yep. to look at it more like this other thing they do on the side for fun. And it's like, no, you got to approach them both as a business, but be brave about it. You know, you're going to have, sometimes you've got to hire people that scares you because you have to pay people to help you. And sometimes you've got people that you're overpaying that are just, they're gobbling up resources, but not providing value. And you've got to have that tough conversation with them where you got to let them go. That's okay. Because it's your financial success that you're talking about. It's your financial freedom. It's where you want to go. You're the leader. Well, and as, you, as we bring this really full circle, it's your money. It's your life. We all get one, awesome. shot, we all get one shot at this thing, right? So it'd be worse to get to the end of your life and look back with regret saying, I could have done things differently. What does it look like to have an honest conversation with yourself today and say, maybe there's some parts of my life that are going great. Maybe there's some parts that need correction. Put those pieces into place so that you can live the next 15, 20, 25 years thriving in life, taking yeah. ownership, having healthy conversations, living the life you always imagined. And the truth is, it's right on the other side of just making sometimes some tough decisions that are painful in the moment, but have lasting impact. So it's your money, your life. Thanks for stopping by. Until next time, hope everybody's a great day. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. Ready to ditch the suits? Remember, it's your money and your life. For more information, visit seedpg.com. That's seedpg.com. If this podcast has impacted you, we ask that you subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. And be sure to share with a friend.